Hi there. No. Hi there, and welcome to Where's a... Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you looking for a backstage pass to the opera world? Every week on the Opera Pod, stage director and industry insider Nina Brazier chats to guests from all corners of the opera industry, both on and off the stage, exploring the influences and obstacles that shaped their journeys and discovering how they each found a unique operatic voice. Nina has been described as the Elizabeth Day of the opera world. So if you need a how to fail guide to the industry, the Opera Pod is the podcast for you. And welcome to Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast where we discuss the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. I'm Helen. And I'm Alex. Hello, welcome back. Yes, we are here again and we're going we're going heavy this week. Ooh. We're going in for a topic that we both think is really important and actually something that isn't often publicly discussed uh, in our industry and we're going to tackle the topic of illness and injury oh my god can you hear the crowd shouting <laughs> people want more illness, of this they illness, say they want to know more. injury <laughs> yeah fun i'm sure lots of you listening will perhaps know have experience of or understand that illness and injury are things that are perhaps not the most comfortable topics that are part of the line of work that we do but um i think we both feel that because they're not publicly discussed, the attitudes surrounding them, the conversations surrounding them aren't particularly healthy and they're not particularly helpful. And so we're hoping that this episode might uh, offer an opportunity to have some healthy discussion about two things that are actually very important in our industry. And actually, they, they happen to a lot more people all the time than we care to admit. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit today about our experiences of illness and injury. We're going to talk a little bit about the culture surrounding injury. And then we're going to join Dr. Alex in, hi, his, hi. <laughs> in his consultation room as he takes us through all the different kinds of illness there are <laughs> and what you should do about them. I'm going to go first on this front. Um, it's something that I've mentioned in the last couple of episodes, but um, yeah, I guess this is the place to kind of properly talk about it. I, over the course of my relatively short career, <laughs> I've suffered two uh, quite severe injuries. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about them today, just in terms of, uh, I guess, what happened to me. My first injury was when I was 19 years old, and it was the second year of university. The year was going really well to start with. And my first year at university, honestly, was amazing. It was so, uh, such a new kind of world, such a different culture. I was, so blurry. Yeah, so drunk <laughs> <laughs> all the time. But yeah, going into that second year, I was auditioning for a lot of stuff. Um, I got some roles that I was really pleased with. Um, I was doing so much choral singing and ensemble singing as well. And for me, that was what that year was going to be about. I just wanted to throw myself into everything headfirst and, and sing as much as I possibly could. Um, after the Christmas break, however, when I was practicing, I found that my range was decreasing I wasn't able to reach the high notes that I normally could and my my lower range was starting to kind of feel weak and uh, perhaps untrustworthy um my speaking voice was going in a way that I hadn't experienced before and 
my the quality of sound changed as well you know there, there were all these things that essentially were telling me that something wasn't quite right so I told my singing teacher she kind of thought it might just be a bad cold or you know perhaps tonsillitis or laryngitis or something so I rested for a couple of weeks uh things didn't get better and to cut a really long story short following a lot of scopes uh, a lot of medication and a lot of periods of total silence those were great <laughs> your little whiteboard no did you have a notepad I had a notepad yeah I cannot describe not being able to speak for like mm. two weeks it was so <laughs> debilitating yeah it turned out actually that um I had torn my left vocal fold and so that's kind of the the muscular structure that supports the vocal fold there was a there was a tear on that and kind of like you would have with with any kind of uh, cut or uh, injury the the scar tissue that was attempting to repair that tear was making it really hard for my vocal folds to to behave and move as they normally would um so in order to deal with that uh, I had an operation where they injected saline into the scar tissue and essentially that kind of smooths the scar tissue out allows the vocal folds to move far more freely and you know from that point onwards hopefully make a a good and healthy recovery Mm. I felt uh after that operation well actually that whole injury experience I, I yeah being honest I kind of thought it was like game over for me and um something we'll talk a little bit later about is is the the people surrounding me either you know not intentionally but the the general conversation surrounding my injury also made me feel like it was game over for me um so yeah I went and worked for a few years in arts administration but as I was doing that I kind of thought to myself that I didn't really want to kind of give up on singing just yet um it was something that I loved so much I didn't want to let it go so um I started shopping around for teachers and uh, I tried a few different different techniques different styles and uh I eventually ended up with the teacher that I'm with now and um this person is has been really really good for me and um helped me unpick a lot of different things that happened um I was making a lot of modifications to how I was singing in order to compensate for my injury and so you develop really bad habits Mm. and my teacher I fully recognized the size of the job that she had in unpicking some of those habits and slowly over the course of time um I build up my singing work um I was singing with some ensembles that I really enjoyed I had a a Sunday job that um I was yeah getting a lot of satisfaction out of and um at that time I think I was working three days a week uh in administration I was able to take that down to two days a week and do more singing so yeah things were running quite smoothly for me until around the summer of 2018 and yeah went through some of the same stuff my range particularly my upper register really kind of just cut out and I at the time I thought it was quite a technical thing so I worked quite consistently to overcome it and um nothing seemed to be working and uh it did take me a while to kind of pluck up the courage to make the call and go and get a scope but eventually I did and um yes I had a I had a polyp and it was exactly where my initial injury had been. <laughs> um, uh, and over the course of that kind of injury period and recovery period, I worked with um, surgeon Declan Costello. And my total unreserved thanks uh, go to that man. Um, he is a voice specialist and uh, he's also a singer himself. So I think something that was so supporting during that time was he completely understood what I was going through and you know not just that I was injured but you know if you're a singer and you're injured your career 
stops and you know you have to you're desperate to get back you know on the saddle as quickly as you possibly can but there's also the need for it to be a safe and healthy recovery period and yeah as i say Declan was absolutely fantastic and uh, he put me in touch with a really wonderful speech therapist, Julia Selby, and we all did some very uh, condensed, committed work to to help me recover. And I think it's worth me saying like, it was funny having the second injury because for me, it felt almost like a second opportunity to get the recovery right because when I was 19, I just couldn't, I couldn't process what was happening to me um 19 is really young to go through that kind of thing you know I was I was in the middle of my undergraduate degree and I you know singing had been the thing that I enjoyed and loved so much since I've been about 11 and uh you know to have that taken away from you is such a shock and uh such a you know you're completely discombobulated so for me the recovery from that first injury wasn't great partly because I didn't really feel I'd I didn't really feel I I was recovering. I kind of just thought, right, you know, that's that. Better find a different career. Hmm. Whereas, yeah, the second time around, I felt working with Declan and Julia, they both were working to have me back working as a singer. And they knew what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And, And it made the process, they made it easier. And also I was older. So I understood the nature of what was happening. You know, it, it was much, much clearer to me. So, um, yeah, it took about four or five months for me to be kind of singing relatively well again and um I was able to do a late audition for Trinity Larbon to get on their master's program yeah I was really grateful to Trinity for you know allowing me to audition late yeah and then I went and I did my my master's which I'm almost coming to the end of now but um it's hard to know what to say uh in relation to injury sometimes uh, something I'm really passionate about though is that we talk about it because it's always on the hush hush that people have been injured mm. that people have had polyps or nodules or vocal dysphonia or all these things and at the end of the day if you're using your voice all day every day in a number of different capacities it's possible that you might suffer an injury and that's okay you know if, if you compare it to professional sports all professional sports people suffer substantial injury throughout the course of their careers. It just so happens that they have the structure and support widely in place to take care of these athletes. And really that should be the same in our industry. When people are injured, it shouldn't be this kind of career ending situation. It should be okay. We need to rehabilitate you and get you back to the level that you're happy with and that you feel is good for you but um it's really important for me this episode because I want to talk about it more I want people to be more open about it I want conductors and bookers and casting couches to change their minds and change their perspective when it comes to injury because it's not it's not the end of a career it's not the sign of a bad singer it's life also i feel like maybe i'm wrong in saying this but like yes, it's wrong, wrong. thank you goodbye. <laughs> yes i'm wrong sorry <laughs> goodbye um and you know it's made you so much more aware and sensitive to every feeling within your voice and vocal setup and body yeah. so now you know the smallest thing you're like okay well it could be this it could be that not not in a bad worrying way although i'm sure you worry a lot huh. once you've gone through an illness or an injury or something you're sort of hypersensitive in a way in a in a good way in a yeah. healthy way yeah i think um 
I'll be the first to admit uh, when I was younger, um, I was very loud. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, singing had never been an issue. So I just, I loved it. And I was doing it all the time. And at the same time I was out, meeting people kind of really for the first time you know that independence of leaving home and you're at university and everything's so exciting so you know I was I was really just trying to fill my cup and have like the biggest Mm -hmm. you know best university experience I could possibly have um and I didn't think about how that might be affecting my voice it obviously did well no Uh, one that is because no one else around you unless they're singers are really thinking about it so you're like well I'm just going to join in blah 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 exactly and I think you know something I'm very aware of now is that in our second year we had fewer lectures and uh, I made the decision to use that time to practice and I picked up some repertoire that was perhaps a little bit um, it it was more just like higher you know I really wanted to be this higher mezzo (laughs) so I picked up this stuff and I was like I'm gonna learn and um, yeah I uh, you know doing all that practice alongside all the project work alongside the choral scholarship it was it was a heavy load alongside having a an active social life and uh yeah like you say i i'm so aware of my voice now uh i don't even know how to describe it when people comment on it it triggers a lot of nerves Uh, and i don't mean like when people comment on how i'm artistically performing something not like that at all if somebody comments on my speaking voice, that sits with me for a long time because I've had to work quite hard to get it even to this point because it literally used to be like, <sighs> it, yeah, in my boots because that was the only way I could produce the sound. Mm. And it was safe and I could at least just about hold that conversation. And so, yeah, moving my speaking voice like forward. Um, yeah, and I know it's not perfect. And, you know, it's, sorry, I feel that was a really rambly way of saying mm. I'm very hypersensitive of my voice. Sometimes it can be a little bit uh, overwhelming. I think because we use our voices all the time and... Also, well, sorry to interrupt, but like um, I think as a singer, you sort of have to be... Not that it's a bad thing, but it's a very social career, isn't it? You know, you're you're around other singers, yeah. directors, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So, so there is a you know not a need because because you want to chat to everyone but yeah. it's it's not like you're sat at your desk silently yeah. for eight hours in the day and uh as i was like going through recovery i couldn't come out and like play and and be in the social kind of scene and um yeah i you know i suspect whether i lost not lost work i don't want to put it in that way but it, you know i kind of moved off the radar in some circles and that i had to Mm, because mm-hmm. I you do a concert and people would want you to come to the pub afterwards and I'd made a call that like that wasn't something I was going to do anymore because mm-hmm. I think that had burned me in the past mm. but I think you know that means you don't necessarily develop the the close tight relationships that other people do and that's great for them it just I couldn't so I had to step away from that and I I think about that sometimes in terms of like the work I got like do I need to be in certain places in order to put myself in certain people's peripheral vision but I just I couldn't no, and I wasn't not. prepared to risk it at the end of the day. No. Like I knew how bad it was when I lost it. I didn't want to go through that again. So yeah, you know, trying to be so hyper careful, protecting it. And um, I guess understanding it, like understanding the difference between injury and, and illness and things. And I, I know you, you, you kind of had some experiences mm-hmm. in terms of not injury per se, but uh, yeah, like, you're gonna... yeah, almost exactly. Um, actually, just before I say that, you know, the thing you were mentioning about like going for a drink afterwards, yeah, there is this, um, 
like the the macho culture it's like oh you're not coming to the pub what it's like no i'm not yeah goodbye i think we were similar like we would both respond to that peer pressure by being like of course we're coming you know people would be like you're not coming to the pub and i'll be like oh okay i'll come to the pub (laughs) (laughs) or you know it's like oh no no i you know i've got to be up at six tomorrow morning you know i just make up some really lame excuse which is obviously not true but it's in why should i make up an excuse yeah you know yeah if you don't want to go then you don't want to go and Mm. that's okay and Mm. i suppose like post all of this stuff i did make quite a conscious decision to slightly separate that work and play Mm -hmm, element mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah when when people are like are you coming to the pub it's like no I'm not because you're not you're my colleagues exactly. and, I, and I respect you and you're all lovely but you're not like my closest friends and and they're the people I'd probably mm. go for a drink with and I just feel safer in that scenario I don't feel I mean this is a different topic really but when you're in those situations and you have to go to the pub with colleagues I feel there's a performative element in yeah, that yeah yeah totally where you're trying to be a particular kind of person to everybody i'm so friendly hi i'm me again i don't insult people yeah yeah and uh i think in that respect i carry some of that tension in my voice and and so yeah it's it's something i definitely learned to kind of steer away from Mm -hmm. yeah sorry you were gonna anyway back to me (laughs) um yeah um in my last year at university coming up to auditions for conservatoire from from september onwards really there was something not quite right with my voice and of course like i mentioned it to my teacher he made me sing like ah, 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 whatever and he was like it's fine it's fine no problem just don't stress about it and of course telling me not to stress about it stressed me more about it and then um i noticed and i was i was really happy at the time i was like oh my range is higher this is so weird um like i could suddenly sing much higher notes much more easily and I kind of lost the bottom part as well and at that time I was trying to stretch my range higher anyway so I was like nailed it <laughs> great <laughs> nothing wrong here <laughs> just I'm a different vocal Such type now <laughs> yeah, yeah. um yeah which was odd but obviously I just carried on regardless and then because I was singing in a choral setting every single day and you know it's such a close-knit family And the moment they're an alto down, then the other altos have to, you know, take up the slack uh, and, you know, work a little bit harder if if someone else isn't there. And so therefore, obviously, I felt super guilty uh, and not was encouraged to feel guilty. That's that's totally wrong. But, you know, there's no (laughs) there wasn't much help from the support is exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I just ended up singing on it, singing on it, singing on it. And then still my teacher was like, no, 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 it's all fine. Until then one time I was like, oh, no, something is really wrong. And then suddenly the teacher was like, something's wrong. Yeah. And by then it's sort of, it's too late, isn't it? You know, you've you've screwed it. And, (laughs) And also from that point, there was still no like, okay, do this, do this, do that. It was like... Panic, panic stations <laughs> yes what is wrong with this industry yeah right and yeah i mean i got a scope and and it was all fine they were a bit inflamed but yeah. you know i i hadn't done any permanent damage well done um yes tick. <laughs> but even then when that result came back it was like oh you can carry on singing in the choir then you can carry on doing all of this and like how dumb was that so it meant that i was obviously practicing my audition repertoire 
a lot as well. So I had to pull out of all of those auditions and some places gave me late auditions in January when I was better. Yeah. Um, which was great because I could actually sing by then. But as in how crazy, not crazy, but it's like, oh, well, you're not, you're not totally unfit to sing. So therefore go back to like 150 miles an hour, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. rather than, okay, well, let's ease you in gradually. Don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Just like relax. <laughs> no, it was all or nothing, which was really rubbish. I don't know how to phrase this question. How did you feel towards your teacher when they were not very supportive? Um, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. No, no, no. Um, well, I guess the relationship with that teacher was never that supportive anyway yeah. and never that close. Yeah. So I didn't expect it from them. But, you know, of all people to be supportive, surely you should expect 100%. your teacher to be. Yeah, so at the time, I didn't expect any different. But looking back on it, I'm like, that's really annoying. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I needed that. Yeah. I think the nature of the career, I well... We're talking about quite a specific setting in mm. terms of the, the collegiate choir, but also, you know, say you're working on a project and the project-based work tends to be quite intense. We're talking two months of, of potentially daily, if not every other day, rehearsals. Mm. If you become injured, the, the fear that you need to get back into that position quickly... Immediately. Yeah, and in reality if you've suffered some kind of illness or injury or whatever, you probably need some time. And even when you're better, the next few steps are, are gently Baby. bringing yourself back into, you know, your your craft and what you know how to do. It's not, oh, right, I'm better. I'll now go back to singing eight hours a day for five days a week. Mm. But our our industry makes no concessions for these natural things which happen to everybody. And Mm. sadly, I believe the nature of our industry is, well, if you can't do the work, there's somebody else that can. Yeah, or 10 people who can. Yeah, because, you know, opportunities are few and far between and the number of people wanting to perform are countless. Mm. So yeah, if you're not available, don't worry about it. They'll bring somebody in. And, you know, there's the fear element there as performers that you're going to lose that work. um, And that means, you know, loss of money, loss of reputation. And people don't want to lose that of course they don't but it means they're sacrificing their vocal health and well-being as a result how how crazy is that that our institution is encouraging this deeply unhealthy dog eat dog yeah sort of. behavior for its performers but mm. um also why i wonder it would have been great had i known about and and had more sort of physiotherapy essentially yeah as i was recovering because in order to like compensate for like I was I was air shotting a lot <laughs> obviously <laughs> um so obviously I build up so many funny things to overcompensate and try to fix that so my jaw was jutting out so much yeah. it was so tense yeah and no one no one really picked up on that well I didn't really know it myself but well my teacher should have done whatever um <laughs> um but you know had I I had didn't even think to to get someone to just massage my jaw or have yeah, a look at it and yeah. just check what's going on mm-hmm. because obviously whenever you have an injury or, or illness or whatever you you do funny things yeah. and sportsmen would always have physio yeah. just like even if they're super fine and healthy yeah. they would have regular checkups just to see how they're ticking along mm-hmm. and there's really nothing at all 
like that? No, I think we wanted to talk briefly about this kind of culture that surrounds injury, which Alex has very smoothly brought us to. Well done, yeah. Yeah. The culture is so counterintuitive because at the end of the day, as we mentioned before, if you're using your voice a lot, it's likely some people might come into contact with injury. That That's just the nature of the beast. And yet the support, the system that people have to go through feels so underground. Mm. Um, you know, speaking from personal experience, it was such a, okay, well, it's this person. And, and you know, I only found out about the names of the people, the, the surgeons, the, the therapists, because people were like passing them on to me on slips of paper. It's like the mafia. It's and great. yeah, it was, it was a bit, and I, I do remember like trying to Google some various elements to to support myself one in particular I was looking for like a support group because I it was really tough and I wanted to be able to kind of perhaps meet other people that have gone through similar things feel a bit you know like I'm not so alone in this situation and the the, it was so lacking and uh, I found like two uh which you know the the websites were dodgy as anything and they looked so old but I was like I'll give it a try so I wrote to both of them and I never got a reply from either (laughs) and I was just like right okay that's that's great feeling really really strong right now alongside that kind of support in terms of steps of rehabilitation they are not obvious they're not clear to anybody nobody kind of sits down well actually that's a lie once I had my operation with Declan he gave me paperwork that had very clear steps. It was like, you can talk for five minutes twice a day. And then like you were building up, up and up. And then, you know, the fabulous thing about Declan was that he kept in regular contact with me post-operation. Independently of me, he wrote to me and asked how I was doing. And I was so grateful Mm. for that because it helped me measure what was sensible and what wasn't sensible at that time. Because, you know, I'm the kind of person that wants to like go from naught to 100 (laughs) In like 10 seconds. I just want to be there. I want to be doing great things immediately. And obviously that's not really what rehabilitation is about. But um, yeah, to kind of just go back to the collegiate system, you know, what you're talking about there, Alex, and what I experienced when I was a touch younger, the pressure on you to remain part of the ensemble. Mm. And I'm sure this, you know, is kind of similar in terms of project work as well as you, as you, you know, go through operas and things. The pressure to remain is is in immense. And the thought and care for you as an artist and the instrument that you hold is is very little. And the support in terms of, okay, well, you've got this vocal injury. This is a speech therapist you might want to see. This is a jaw therapist you might want to see. This is a physio you might want to see. You might want some Alexander technique. There are there are countless things you can do to help aid recovery. Mm. And I think both of our experiences, although very different, show a very striking similarity that in those institutions, they don't care if you're injured. It's not their problem. I mean, it is their problem, (laughs) but it's also not their problem. No, they're like, well, I'm an alto down. Like, what are you going going to do do about it? it? Like, like, we need you to book depths. We need you to do all of this. It's like, yes, okay. I'm also stressing about myself at the same time. the, The psychological burden I don't yeah know. i was gonna say yeah the psychological burden is so immense because you're already you naturally feel like you're letting people down mm. because you're part of a team and you can't do your job but they're just piling that pressure back on top of like right well you know do you think you can manage it i think you can manage it yeah no you know Go on. it's just even song mm. and it's like oh my gosh no but i feel like i have to say yeah. yes 
and you know i found i was i was singing when i absolutely should not have been and as you say made my recovery made my journey to healthy singing 10 times worse mm-hmm. because i was just like oh my god just get through this and um i remember actually yeah the summer summer of my second year so i was what just before i had my surgery so things were bad and um my conductor gave me like the world's smallest solo but I didn't want it. Mm-mm, but I, could, I, I, I didn't feel I could say that because I didn't want to tell him that he couldn't rely on me. But then I would just go into every concert freaking out about two bars. It was tiny. And every time they were crap. <laughs> they sat, they were so bad. And I knew they were bad. But I, you know, I but just... No one said anything, did no. they? No. And, and I just kept putting myself in that situation because I didn't feel I could be like, I can't do it. I didn't want to let anybody down. So I was like, I'll just keep going. Mm. And yeah, just as you say there, nobody said anything. And uh, that was something I, I wanted to touch on in, in this podcast as well. I think people don't know how to talk about injury. And if we're being honest, we don't really talk about it. Nope. And we're very good friends. <laughs> because it's uncomfortable, I think. And it's awkward. Because I feel people can't put themselves in your shoes. And they don't want to hurt your feelings. So they don't say anything. But it's almost more upsetting in the not asking I think as a singer, if you suffer a vocal injury, that's like somebody taking away a little bit of you. Mm, big Be- part of you. Yeah, because your voice is so important to you and it's such a thing that makes you unique and you lose that. And you go through a lot of issues in relation to that. There's so much anxiety, there's grief, there's confusion. There's... So for people not to... Acknowledge it at all. Yeah, or ask about it. And I understand, I understand why why people would behave that way. But yeah, in not asking the questions, you'd start to feel a bit like a pariah <laughs> because you're just like, this is the only thing that's happening to me at the moment. It's the only thing that's going on and nobody is talking to me about it. I ask you, you listener, <laughs> you one listener, <laughs> you know, if it, if it is something you come across, if somebody happens to mention it, just just be open mm. because I would I would easily happily talk to anybody about it because I know how difficult it can be and i think in this industry we all need to support one another Mm. you know it's tough i can't quite shake the feeling that some people think they're never going to come across yeah right injury and hey fingers crossed however you might Mm. and i think you know if if you do you want to know there are going to be people out there that have got your back i guess there's so much like fear surrounding it like oh my god so when someone does get it, you're like, oh, uh, God, that's scary. But yeah. scary for me, not scary for you because you've got it. Like scary because I could get it. Yeah. Um, and therefore the lack of conversation ensues. But it's like, if we all just know that, yes, injury is can be routine uh, and like there are very set steps to recovery, etc. Yeah. Then it's like, you don't really need to be that afraid of it. Like if it happens, it happens. You'll be back on your feet whenever. Yeah, and I think if we were all a bit more willing to adopt that attitude of, oh, okay, you know, you're going to be out for a few months, but see you when you're back on your feet. Mm. And in the meantime, let's have a coffee or, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I, I think there's still this misconception that an injury is the end. And again, you know, I, I actually, I wrote, I wrote something about this last year that like, to me, there's this, there's this idea that your voice is like this this crystal glass or something, you know? Mm. And if you injure it, you've smashed it. And that's it. You're never going to repair that. Whereas in reality, 
it's a muscle well it's, yeah, that's ridiculous. you know what i mean it's a set of muscles mm-hmm. and like yeah virgil van dyke that liverpool defender <sighs> um, he's super injured right now but nobody's sitting there going oh my god van dyke's never going to play football again they're like oh when will he be back mm, right and uh i think we need to ring in that change here in our industry and there are a lot of problems with our industry that that make that very difficult i.e the nature of getting work mm. and the nature of being booked and i feel like is it do you think it's the same like some pianist that i know the dreaded rsi and you know they're playing and they're like oh it's really painful you can see them massaging their wrist but they just won't say anything because they're like yeah i cannot get this because yes. then it is over yes. and it's like oh for goodness sake yeah this yeah, is yeah, so yeah. unhealthy yeah 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 you know, all the wonderful things you've done in your career up to the point of injury, they don't just disappear because you had an injury. You know, you've... Who knows all the various things that have compounded at that point to make that injury? It's not a sign of your weakness. It's not a sign of your overall deficiency. It's just... It's it's life. You know, we can't all be operating at 100% capacity all of the time. Mm. I know exactly what you mean, particularly like organists RSI is so bad because they're playing for so many hours a day but nobody nobody wants to talk about it I'm not sitting here saying I want to know every detail I'm just saying don't be don't hide and you're injured (laughs) I feel like now is the time to enter the doctor's suite oh my god (laughs) come on in (laughs) have you has the nurse checked your blood pressure yet (laughs) (laughs) I don't know doctors (laughs) stethoscope Yeah, I would just like to talk about the different kinds of colds and illnesses Strapping. that we get. I know, right? Fun. And this is by no means all inclusive, but as in things that I have suffered from and learned to recognize symptoms of uh, and whether therefore it is safe to continue singing or not. Nice. Um, so... We all know we have the most common, like, sore throats. I think Alex has some notes he's written here. Yeah. <laughs> so much scrolling going on Love on my computer. Yeah, um, are obviously pharyngitis and laryngitis, which are both, they can either be viral or bacterial. Most commonly, they're viral, however, um, which does mean that antibiotics won't help. Sorry. Um, but still, you may as well get it checked out. You know, the moment you feel something... Why not? Checked out as in a scope. Well, oh no, just just, just see the, the doctor, doctor and be like, mm-hmm. can you see what it is? Because yeah. obviously you can't see your own larynx. Obviously. Well, obviously. <laughs> Thank you. Swallow for a mirror. That. <laughs> um, but you can see your pharynx, which is just your throat. And you can also see your tonsils. Um, but so if you know what to look for, then it's helpful. So let's just go through them one by one. Fun. <laughs> laryngitis obviously inflammation of the larynx we all know that um which contains the vocal cords precious um so obviously the symptoms of that are going to be hoarseness slash loss of voice um but less obviously are that you probably won't experience other cold-like symptoms you won't get a blocked nose maybe you will who knows you may (laughs) you probably won't get a runny nose or or sinus problems um so you're just like oh There's just something like a frog in my throat all the time. Yeah. And and that is the worst because you're like, well, I'm I'm fine. I, I feel well. So I'm just going to carry on singing. Mm. No, don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but because you're not visibly ill, 
something that you mentioned, Helen, uh, with the whole injury thing. It's like, oh no, you still turn up to rehearsal and you still do everything because you don't look like a pile of crap. You just sound like one. Um, And, you know, the conductor might be like, "Mm, you're not sounding doubly top today. And it's, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I've just got got something throaty. Um, But like how, you know, have the confidence... (laughs) Just to say, well, I'm not singing in today's rehearsal, obviously, because there's something wrong. Uh, and you're going to accept that with no question. Uh, but I will still take part very actively in the rehearsal in every other possible way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's so much, you know. So I remember people at uh, Conservatoire, they'd be sitting at the singer's table in the <laughs> canteen. and be like, I can't really talk today because I think I've got laryngitis. So I'm whispering. It's like, that's the worst thing possible to do. Don't whisper. Don't whisper. It's so bad for you. You are forcing air through your vocal folds mm. at such a rate. And if you're already unwell, it is just adding insult to said injury. Please, yeah, do not. Nice. Yeah, so laryngitis. And often people develop laryngitis from other colds or something. Mm-hmm. Because viruses tend to infect the most tired part of your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously as singers, the larynx is exhausted most of the time if you're singing just as well as I am. <laughs> so yeah, a cold can turn into laryngitis essentially because it just descends. Yeah. Um, and then, but you're like, oh, but I haven't got the runny nose anymore. So I'm, I'm, the light is there. Like, no, just, just, just take the time, take the time to rest. Okay, number two, pharyngitis. Okay. This is the more normal, like sore throat. So laryngitis, you may not feel discomfort swallowing or pain swallowing mm-hmm. you you'll only feel discomfort when you're speaking or singing um whereas pharyngitis is very much like oh yeah it really hurts to eat or something um and also well maybe this is just me because i'm weird but like i experience like things don't taste the same oh okay <laughs> freak <laughs> maybe i've just had covid loads <laughs> but yeah so and my throat is obviously very red However, with pharyngitis, you can sing still, but you just have to be really careful because if you're in pain, then your body subconsciously or consciously will try to adapt in some weird and wonderful way in order to cope with that pain. So therefore, you could massively be compromising your technique Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, in a way that you're not even aware of Mm -hmm. because you've got this sore throat and and your body is just doing something slightly bizarre. You know, it could be as simple as like cocking your neck in a certain direction because that's weirdly more comfortable if one side of your throat hurts. I often find it's the jaw. Mm, And I, mm -hmm. I would say that's actually quite common. People overcompensate with the jaw, no matter, like, if there's pain, if there's discomfort, if something's going wrong, because the jaw is that first kind of thing that you're like, right, it's coming out my mouth, jaw! Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, that, that was just a little side note there, sorry. Mm, sorry. Fun. Thanks, Don't Dr. interrupt Alex. the doctor. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so pharyngitis is like the classic sore throat, yeah. is safe, in inverted commas, to sing on. And then lastly, and not leastly, we have tonsillitis. Fun. Mm. Um, so obviously the tonsils are visible at the at the back of our throat normally they won't seem big and inflamed but if they are then there's a problem obviously (laughs) um it's super treatable if it's bacterial tonsillitis Mm -hmm. just get it seen i mean if it's not bacterial then you just need to wait it out but but again tonsillitis is in inverted commas safe to sing on because you know 
they're not directly pressing on your vocal cords. However, again, something when when I've had tonsillitis, because my tonsils get so big, I'm essentially like my mouth is just full of them. So I don't, <laughs> my, I really struggle. I don't want to do anything to do with raising my soft palate or anything because any movement there yeah. is touching the tonsils. Yeah. So I end up singing with a really low and flat soft palate <laughs> and therefore I'm like why is there no ping why is there no resonance um so I just push <laughs> <laughs> and that's good technique if in yes. doubt sing louder yes yeah, so so rather than thinking okay well I've got tonsillitis so I can work on other things gently but maybe let's you know if it doesn't sound the way I want it to yeah, let's yeah. just leave that but of course again like you know, you might be singing with an orchestra. You could have a, a zitz or something. Yeah. And the conductor's like, well, I can't hear you in that passage. And, you know. It's so tricky because really your health is paramount. Mm. And this one project that you want to try and be singing for or whatever, that's not the same as the next six, seven months or the rest of your bloody career. Mm-hmm. Um, because the danger with something like that is, yeah, you do yourself serious damage in the long run because you've you've just tried to force yourself through that one situation and of course you're doing it because you need the fee Mm -hmm. you you want to get to know these people better you want you want to be booked again and and i think that's something that's so unfortunate about this career is that it's so really it is so unstable as you're finding your way through it and i think that instability means when you get the work you're so desperate oh yeah to keep it to do it and be part of it but at the end of the day i mean personally i've just been burnt too many times now that um i'd rather sit it out Mm. and if somebody's gonna treat me badly because i'm ill then i'm just gonna have to suck that up and and yeah exactly why would i want to work with somebody that's treating someone that way and, and giving somebody grief because they're ill yeah right illness is just part of life by pushing even for five minutes you're setting back your recovery by five days yeah yeah um so like why do that and also it just makes me just makes me so angry when people turn up to rehearsals like obviously you know they look so ill and they're like hello but i'm still here it's like go away you'll infect me you Mm -hmm. selfish so-and-so but they're not being selfish (laughs) they've dragged themselves there because they feel guilty yeah Yeah, it's like this is so ridiculous and i mean we were saying we wonder if that will change following coronavirus you know there's been such a an air of well if you're ill in any way please stay at home please you know Mm -hmm. isolate right and i wonder as we recover will we ask people that have colds to go home because they're going to infect other people you know will we ask people to to consider how ill they are before attending said rehearsal said project whatever i don't know i I don't i don't make the rules Mm. but um i'm interested because i i remember yeah having colds and i'd just be like push through yeah, right. you know turn up and you're sore and you're tired and you're and grumpy ugly. but you just feel like you have to be there i'm not even sure i could do it now no, you know I, if i, I got ill i think i would just go down as in like i don't think my body has the strength i think it'd just be like oh my god oh she's gone <laughs> it's it's tricky if you have a show and oh, and you you're like well i really need to sing on it then you obviously need to make a call is it safe to sing on this yeah um can i like cover the pain essentially I know. Uh, and get through it which 
if it, you can judge your own symptoms if it's laryngitis please don't um <laughs> but the you know if if it's other things and you know that your vocal cords are still healthy then go for it yeah. but you know the idea that we just like push through rehearsals i, I think know. is so bizarre it would be so great if there were more maybe there are and i just didn't attend them but uh talks and lectures on vocal health these are problems you probably or whatever you yeah. might come across yeah. these are illnesses you might come across these are the symptoms thanks dr alex i know actually bapam which is the british association of performing arts medicine i don't i don't know if this is something that they set up during lockdown but they have these talks and series that you can attend and i think almost on a weekly basis they have like a healthy practice community drop-in which is like you can go i mean you don't even have to have something concerning you but it's it's a it's a group of people that are kind of there to talk about what's going on with them that's that's musicians of all different disciplines and i also think they are doing yeah it's like a physical health and injury discussion so you know it's fantastic that bapam are putting these kinds of things on but you know for for perhaps younger mm. musicians or people that are within the conservatoire environment it does seem unusual to me you know that there isn't a kind of regular discussion of vocal and uh, physical mm-hmm. just general physical health and and well-being yeah particularly because of the you know the conservatoire environment is such a an intense and pressured place to be so surely that's where taking care of your your instrument is is such a key part of what you do and also surely that's setting you up for for good professional yeah, practice right. as and you go out into your yeah group. exactly firstly i think we hope you found this helpful and perhaps you know whoever you are if you felt some solidarity in our experiences that's kind of the point mm-hmm. and uh you know that that would mean a lot to us um if you ever want to talk to anybody about any of this kind of stuff talk to helen not me <laughs> You're very welcome to speak to us, of course. But like, yeah, in terms of other organizations, I would personally like to recommend Classic Help Musicians UK. Mm-hmm. Um, they were exceptionally supportive of me and supportive in many ways. You know, it, it wasn't just uh, in terms of therapy. They were financially very supportive, which which meant so much to me. Um, the Royal Society of Musicians as well is somewhere I would I would recommend you look. And then the, the mental health organization Mind uh, is really good in terms of kind of counseling and external therapy services in case you feel you need that kind of support and then yeah just to reiterate that BAPAM are a fantastic organization you know it's it's the British Association of Performing Arts Medicine I'm saying it again because I think for some reason BAPAM doesn't seem to be I only heard about it in yeah, the last year yeah it, it doesn't seem to be very well known but there's all kinds of practitioners available through BAPAM and uh, from a personal point of view when I eventually realized that I needed some therapy <laughs> following my injury <laughs> I went to BAPAM and I searched and I found somebody and I worked with her for the best part of three years and uh, you know th- some really really good stuff was done there so there are services out there. Those are just a handful. You know, if you feel you need to speak to them, get on it. If you want to speak to us, get on it. We're here to be more open. We're here to create this supportive community. Mm. So, um, yeah, if you feel there's something you want to share, you know, we'd really, really love to hear from you. And you can get in touch with us via a number of different methods. What should we start with? Our email. Go for it. Our email is where's my freaking dressing room at gmail.com. We have a website www.wheresmyfreakingdressingroom.com and we have uh, social social media um, <laughs> so social it's Facebook at Dressing Room Pod it's Instagram at Dressing Room Pod and it's Twitter at Dressing Room PO1 we really hope you guys enjoyed this episode we hope it was useful we hope it's informative and um, if you felt it kind of struck a chord with you we'd, we'd love to know struck a chord nice vocal <laughs> chord <Ma. laughs>
And finally, yeah, you know, we'll we'll kindly ask you once again. Uh, don't forget to give us the old five star rating. Uh, every little helps. And uh, yeah, you know, if you're enjoying what we're putting out, please do subscribe because then, blam, you just get a notification every other Friday when those episodes come out. Job done. Yeah, it's here. I think that's all we've got time for. But um, we'll be back soon. So soon. So for now. Bye bye. bye. bye.